This is a case from the Hekiganroku Chin News Rice Pail. The pointer. Wielding a sharp sword horizontally, he cuts off the nest of trailing vines in front of his point. Hanging a clear mirror on high, he brings forth Vairokana's seal within a phrase. Where one state is secure within, one wears clothes and eats food. Where spiritual powers wander at play, how can one linger? Have you fully mastered it? Look at what's written below. Case. Every day at mealtime, Master Chin Yu would personally take the rice pail and do a dance in front of the monks. Laughing, he would say, Bodhisattvas, come eat. Swetu said, though he acted like this, Chin Yu was not good-hearted. Later on, a monk asked Chang Ching, when the men of old said, Bodhisattvas, come eat, what was his meaning? Ching said, much like a joyful praise on the occasion of a meal. The verse. Laughing aloud in the shadow of the white clouds, he lifts up with both hands to give to them. If they were sons of the golden-haired lion, they would have seen the deception from 3,000 miles away. So, last week, last Sunday, we entered Ango and we began with a, on a powerful note, very strong beginning for this spring Ango. It was very encouraging for me to, to hear your personal commitments and the way each of you is embracing, will be embracing, and actualizing the Dharma during this period. And the opening was, it felt clear and engaged, and I have full trust and confidence in, in your ability, in our ability to actually do what we said we will do, individually and collectively. And what we decided to do is, is identify the slack and dive into the diligent work of tightening it up. And as we do that, as we dive deeply into this, we have to be clear that we have to be clear on what we're not doing and what is not the intention. We're not doing it so we can become more efficient, more productive, more punctual. These are all great things, obviously, and they're all natural occurrences of diligent practice. So they're more of that than a goal or aim for the practice. It does happen, and it does contribute greatly to positive life. 
But none of those traits by themselves are goal or aim. We are deepening the, the level of engagement with everyday life, through everyday life, so we can clarify the fundamental point and then lead a life that is in alignment with it. Now, being in alignment with it, all the other stuff just happens. But it arises, it is born out of clarifying the fundamental point. And at the same time, it pushes us towards clarifying the, the fundamental point. So it, it is arising out of and it is going towards at the same time. And maybe we think of ourselves or tell others, I practice Zen so I can become more fluid, more peaceful, less trapped by everyday life to become a better person so I can find balance in my life. Those are all actually, they sound very commandable traits to, to work towards and embody. But we have to watch out. As, as great as this sound, there's still a hidden element in all these explanations. You know, some practitioners say, I'm working on creating and maintaining the right balance between the different aspects of my life. And again, this sounds good. Sounds mature and responsible. But it is not only missing the point. It is also pushing us further away from experiencing realization. Who is the one who wants to create the balance? The one who wants to cultivate those wonderful traits? The one who wants to be a good person? Who's the one who wants to experience realization? Who's the one that wants? And you say it's much different than wanting a million dollars in a bank account, wanting a job title, a promotion. If we call it spiritual journey, does it really make the wanting more pure, more noble? It feels as if it is, if it's more noble if I say I am on a spiritual path and I'm working towards becoming a better person rather than accumulating money or assets. But accumulating is accumulating. And as long as we operate in this way, we remain vested in the one who is currently lacking, whatever that is. Lacking can be, I'm lacking realization. I need that. It's going to help me. 
So we stay vested in the one who is currently lacking and then hold on to the belief that the object of the wanting will later provide what is missing now. And that, the mechanism of that is the same. And in that, what I want doesn't really matter. We remain identified with a state of discontentment that gives rise to a constant yearning for the missing piece that will make my life feel more complete eventually. When I get there, when I get it, So does this mean that wanting is always born out of a sense of lack or incompleteness? Is it possible to experience inherent completeness and at the same time feel motivated to create changes? This is a question that almost all practitioners encounter and raise. If I'm at peace, why would I want to do anything? Why would I be motivated to create, to move forward, to change? I've arrived. Again, we have to examine that. You know, as this angle was approaching, <coughs> I was thinking about previous angles we, we went through, we worked on together, and I was trying to figure out what did we do or didn't do in the past? And what can we do this time? What can I do this time to ignite fire in our practice, to change it? What can I do to motivate each of you to go deeper and to stay more committed during the course of this, this spring angle, this training period? So I looked at it, I examined what we did before. I came to conclusions about what needs to change and then implemented them or tried to implement them. We'll see if it works, right? See what happens. So while this continuous process of evolution does take place. It does. There is such thing as working on, working towards, improving, changing. So while this takes place, we never had any incomplete or imperfect angle. Although, of course, by implication, it may sound like that. But not because it is like that. It sounds like that because of the way we listen. Because of what we listen with or from. Right? So how can I be complete and at the same time need to do work? If you remember, that was Dogen's question. Dogen Zenji... You know, when he was deeply involved in practice in Japan, he, 
he wondered if I'm a Buddha to begin with. I'm born a Buddha. I'm born like that. Why would I have to do anything? So there are many ways to encounter this question and it's important that we realize and recognize that we do encounter this question and we do have assumptions about how to work with it or what does it mean. So nothing was lost then in previous angles and nothing is going to be gained by this angle. Although the potential for great deepening is there. So what we need to recognize is that on a fundamental level, every step is absolutely complete in and of itself. And then, from that recognition, we're able to move more freely from that point and find the motivation in the moment-by-moment expression. moment-by-moment experiences. Rather than to be motivated by an idea of gain and loss. And this is called, we call that in practice, using discernment from a perspective of unity. Making decisions from there knowing that nothing will ever be lost and nothing will ever be gained. It sounds like a dichotomy to the thinking mind. But then again, we want to work on it from a perspective of unity. Otherwise, we are always going to experience the same discontentment. Actually, sometimes even more. You know, people work on, uh, in martial arts, on years on, on getting a black belt. Put the heart and soul into it. Dream about it. Then they do, they do the test after five, seven, ten, whatever years they spend. They go through the test. They have a black belt. They put it on, look in the mirror. looks good. But now what? get back on the mat and realize I still have a lot to work on. That could be highly disappointing if we think that by achieving something we arrive somewhere. The work never ends. The expression of unity never, never ends. Unity is a word. Unity is a concept. How unity manifests is life itself. So what is the fundamental point? And what does it mean to be in alignment with it? Or to be motivated by its essence? What is Zen? I'm sure you've asked that before. Maybe, you know, maybe not always vocally, but wonder once in a while. 
There's, there's a folk story in Buddhism about a, a fish which embarks on a long journey to meet the great and wise queen fish. When he arrived, he asked the queen, I've heard about this magnificent and magical place called the ocean. Could you please tell me how to get there? What is Zen is that question. But it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, they say I'm complete, but I don't feel complete. And again, I don't feel doesn't mean anything other than I don't feel. It's not an indication of the way things are. It's just an indication of habitual consciousness. Karma, that's all. But we can't judge reality by feelings or thoughts or habits. It doesn't mean we ignore it. All it means is that it's not an indication of what is. No, we, we yearn to be at peace. We say we want to experience unity. We want to awaken to reality as it truly is. And yet, and yet, we can't seem to always recognize that the wanting itself is the greater barrier between where we are and where we want to be. Or the wanting can reveal the great barrier. Without the wanting, the barrier falls away. Without the wanting, the fish doesn't ponder, where's the ocean? Jifeng once said, there are many people who sit beside a rice bucket dying from starvation. There are also many who sit beside a great body of water dying of thirst. And this is us. This is our reality. We, we are standing in front of a table with the most fresh and incredible food we can imagine. And yet we are so hungry. Run around looking for stale crumbs. Or just stand there and regurgitate food that was fresh eons ago. Now, eons ago may only mean one minute ago or yesterday. It was fresh. But now what? What is fresh now? Where do I find the motivation right now from this? How can I connect to that? How can I lose myself to this and find my true self in this? Someone once said to the Buddha, I want to be content, can you help me? And the Buddha said, sure. Let go of the eye, then let go of wanting, and, what, and all that is left is contentment. 
What you want is what is. What we want is our birthright. What we want is the air we breathe. But we can't see it. If I don't see it, I can't believe it. In the Eighth Awareness, which is the last teachings of the Buddha, it begins with having few desires. And he said, not seeking too much among the objects of the five desires is called having few desires. He said, you should know that because those who have many desires search for fame and profit, there is much suffering. Those who have few desires look around less and desire little. Therefore, they have no such concerns. Practice having few desires. This produces many merits. Those who have few desires do not need to ingratiate themselves with others. Also, they withstand the temptations of the senses. One who practices having few desires has neither worry nor fear, but a peaceful mind. Whatever one has is enough, and one never lacks anything. Having few desires is nirvana, realization. This is called having few desires. Having few desires not being addicted to more and more and wanting. So how do we function during this intensive period of three months ango? How do we function in Zazenkai and Sashins? You know, we, someone brought up spending too much time in, in the bathroom or bathroom breaks, maybe snacking, maybe by the, by the water cooler, going to get something to drink, during kinhin, during walking meditation. Why do we do that? We do it, and I think sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it, at least not aware of it, but why does it happen? What, what are we trying to get a break from? It's interesting that those moments, whether it's uh, in the bathroom, whether it's hanging out by the water cooler, in those moments we run back to what the practice is threatening. We run to meet that which wants. The longer we practice, the more intensive the practice is, the further away it is, or the more faint its voice becomes. And that's an issue for us. So we spend more time in the bathroom or walk around, look around. Because it gives us a sense of self. 
sense of boundaries, sense of familiarity. But we're upside down. What we encounter on the cushion is more what it is rather than what we look for by running away from the cushion. Hence, we want to run away. Hence, we want to encounter it again. Go back to wanting. Having few desires. That's a big threat. Zen training is teaching us to be content with just being with things as they are, moment by moment, with not relying on the objects of our desires, not looking to what we want for salvation. You know, but the training really can't penetrate deeply if we keep running away from it, back to the familiar self, and keep giving it what it wants. In the Upanishads, it's a collection of ancient Indian texts, it said, not by which, not that by which the eye can see, by that by which the eye can see. Know that to be the fundamental reality and not what people here adore, want, look for. Not by which the ear can hear, not that by which the ear, the ear can hear, by that by which the ear can hear. Not that to be the fundamental point of reality, and not what people hear. Not that which speech can illuminate, by that by which speech can be illuminated. Not that to be the fundamental reality. And then he said, it says, not that which the mind thinks, by that by which the mind can think, know that to be the fundamental reality, and not what people here adore. People here is us. We adore. We love to want. We love to believe what we see. And what we do is we place the attention on what is being seen rather than on what is enable us enabling us to see. We put the attention on what we think rather than on that which thinks. And our focus should change, as we talk about often. should be on that which sees, on that which hears, on that, that which thinks, rather than the thoughts and concepts that arise and vanish. Chin Yu, the teacher in this koan, was a, one of the 84 successors of the great master Basso, Matsu. It's an interesting point just to note that 84 successors a lot. You know, most teachers barely have a handful or one or two. And some actually have no successors at all, have had no successors at all. 
So 84 successors. So every day at mealtime, Master Chin Yui would personally go into the kitchen, take the rice pail, go in front of the monk's hall, laughing aloud, saying, Bodhisattvas, come eat, come get your food. And he did that for 20 years, every day. Why? Why would he do this? What was he dangling in front of the monks? What was he expressing through this odd behavior? The footnote here says, you may play with it, with the fishing line, as you will, without disturbing the clear waves. Its meaning is naturally distinct. He applies pure ghee and poison at the same time, and he's right. Jewels and gems he arrays all at once. But what can he do? Those he meets with are few. Those he meets with are few. Now imagine being there as one of the monastics. It's mealtime. You're hungry. And then you see your teacher dancing and laughing while calling you to come out and get your food. Quite amazing, isn't it? You showed up to practice awakening, to free yourself from being a slave to your senses, to realize your fundamental nature. But you're also hungry. And you want to eat. It's lunchtime. Does that contradict freedom from desires? Wanting to eat? Is that his point? Or does this fall under the Buddha's teaching of having few desires? Well, food is one of them. Which is it? What are the few desires I'm allowed to have? You may ask. Now the footnote says that Chin Yu applied pure ghee, which is clarified butter, and poison in his actions. Which means that he's tempting you to come out and receive the emotional and psychological crutches you're so heavily relying on. And at the moment you put your weight on these crutches, it, take them away, it takes them away from you right away. And you have nothing to rely on. Come get it. He knows what you want. And he has it. It's not what you think you want. Or what he has is not what you think you want. You know, to, to understand his meaning here, this action, we need to meet him on the same plane. You know, Chuang Tzu once said, I will now speak and act in crazy way and you will receive it by listening in a crazy way. That was a long time before Chin knew. I will act in a crazy way and you will listen in a crazy way. 
to break free from conceptual living, conceptual existence, to dive into the continuum, the continuum that does not have you in it. This craziness, this odd behavior is absolutely the greatest gift we can hope for. But as the footnote says, those he meets with are few. Those who get it are few. Everybody has it. Those who actualize it, realize and actualize it are few. Everybody has it. The pointer said, wielding a sharp sword horizontally cuts off the nest of treading vines in front of his point. His action does that. It may trap you, but it can also free you. Hanging a clear mirror on high, he brings forth Vayukana's seal within a phrase as the Buddha's seal. Within a phrase, within a dance, within a laugh. Then it says, where one's state is secure within, one wears clothes and eats food. Where spiritual powers wander at play, how can one linger? What are you going to sit on? What are you going to rely on? When one's state is secure within. And of course, this is referring to a state of, his state of realization. Over and over again, we hear that how realization is playfully and beautifully manifesting in the most simple aspects of everyday life. Whether it's a bird chirping, whether it's the heat crackling in the pipes, water crackling in the pipes, the rain, feeling hungry, feeling full. Wondrous, isn't it? It is wondrous. How do we meet this wonder? I don't have time for this now. I've got other things to worry about, to think about, to do. It's manifesting beautifully, and yet we keep looking elsewhere. We keep wanting something else, and wanting by implication means rejecting. Wanting is rejecting. I want means I don't want. Right? If I want something, I, there is something I don't want, which I don't have, which is this. This is what I don't want. So I've said before that we can either let go of the wanting or we can want this. If we really want to want, then how about wanting this? Then we are already in alignment. I want to be here. Great. There you go. Done. I want to sit down. Great. Then when you get up, I want to get up. 
How does the mind react to this? How will it react to you being okay with this as it is? You know, what we want is exactly what we reject. If only we could see that, that would be good. And the last, last line of the pointer is asking you, have you fully mastered it? Now, how do we read this line, right? We have to read it correctly. If we read it correctly, we can see that it's actually very reassuring and encouraging. It is saying, don't worry about it. Don't lament, don't linger. Just embrace and appreciate each passing moment. See it as a gift and keep practicing endlessly. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep mastering that which is masterless. What is the commitment about? What are we committing to? You know, we made some commitment last, commitments last Sunday. And, and of course, we ended with uh, Fusatsu retaking the vows, which always seems to be, to some people, an issue, to some. I can commit, but for the rest of my life, I don't know about that. I can commit to practice, but to commit to practice for the rest of my life sounds very big, very heavy. But what does it mean for the rest of my life? Who has the rest of their lives? What is the rest of my life? What is it other than a concept? Really, what is it other than a concept? I vow to commit, I make a vow, I make a commitment to, to hold the precept, uphold the precept, means now, today. That's it, that's all it means. But then we do it over and over and over and over again. As long as we are able, as long as we have the opportunity to uphold the precept, we uphold the precept. We practice awakening. What does that mean? Wake up to this. Now, wake up, wake up, wake up and wake up. That's the life of it. The rest of my life is the conceptual way of looking at it. Which doesn't mean anything. This moment is alive. You are a concept. We are a concept, we as me. But this is not a concept. So the question is, what is this? And that's the question that has to stay alive in our practice. Actually, that's the question that keeps the practice alive. What is this? Wonder of wonders, what is this? So later on, a monk in this koan, a monk asked another teacher, Chang Ching, what did Chin Yu mean by this odd behavior? 
And Ching said, well, it's just like a joyful meal grace. And the footnote says, he sizes up the audience to give his order. He wraps up the case on the basis of the facts. Now, you remember our traditional meal grace, right? We express gratitude and raise the level of our awareness so we can awaken to moment-by-moment moment nourishment of the body and mind in a wholesome way so we can express gratitude to everybody that is going through difficulty so we can eat the food to be of service for others so we don't eat the food for the purpose of satisfying that which is unwholesome or that which creates unwholesome actions now Chin Yu's action is actually raising the same wakeful energy He's just doing it in a way that defies tradition. And what he's doing can shake us up to the core and should shake us up. Is he laughing at me? Is he fooling around with my food? He's dangling what I want. How could he do that? And on and on and on and on we think. And it's not what we think. You know, the commentary says, people today are far from knowing that the ancient's meaning was outside of words and actions. It wasn't trapped by the action. It was expressed by the action. And it says, why not then take a brief look at the stated purpose for the patriarchal teachers first coming here? What was it? It was clearly explained for a separate transmission outside the verbal teaching to transmit individually the mind seal. The ancient men, Qin Yu's expedient methods, too, were just to make you directly receive it. Later, it says, people would vainly calculate on their own. That's what the mind does, calculates, and this is what we experience. Vainly calculate on their own and say, why so many concerns? When cold, turn towards the fire. When hot, take advantage of the cool shade. When hungry, eat. When tired, get some sleep. And it says here, if we interpret meanings this way, on the basis of ordinary feelings, to explain and comment, then the whole school of Bodhidharma would have been wiped off the face of the earth. Don't you realize that 24 hours a day, from moment to moment, the ancients never gave up wanting to understand this matter. This matter, the fundamental point. To clarify the fundamental point. Now, you've all made personal commitments last Sunday that reflect your individual circumstances. And we've all together agreed to engage the Dharma in specific and skillful ways. But above all, and we have to remember that, above all, the commitment we need to make on a daily basis is, is to awaken to this life. And in this very moment. 
you know, the, these ancient masters were not interested in being remembered or be put on a pedestal. They only expressed the fundamental point in a most, most authentic way during their everyday life. All they did. And then they passed on a request that we do the same in our lives, in our time. To clarify the fundamental point and then to express it in the most unique and authentic way. So if we think that, well, you know, Zen is very simple. Just meet the moment. When you're hungry, eat. When you're tired, sleep, as it is said in the commentary. But no, that is also a calculation. It's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. He just got up there with the rice pail, did a dance, and call them to come out and eat. And added a huge laughter to that. He expressed freedom. He was not trapped. And he was sharing that freedom with all of us. He is sharing that with all of us. Can we see it? Can we wake up to this freedom? Can we break the chains that we created and keep creating? Can we be free? That's the question for this angle. 